Is your game getting you down? Is it time you enjoy better golf? How about a full day clinic at the GUI National Golf Academy? Less than two hours from Belfast, the Academy is the perfect getaway for you and your friends. With clinics starting at €95, Euro, now is the time to experience better golf. Find out more and book online at bettergolf.ie. Welcome to the NI Golf Channel podcast, episode 83. It's a packed pod featuring Royal Portrush General Manager John Lawler, Irish Amateur star Mark Parr, and John Casey from Rossapena Hotel and Golf Resort. On the news that Paul McGinley will host a Legends Tour event at the venue in 2021. But before all that, a bit of a quick news roundup. And American golfers enjoyed a clean sweep of success last weekend. Dustin Johnson won gazillions at the Tour Championship. John Catlin won on the European Tour at Valderrama. And at Gilgorm Castle, a former teacher, Tyler Covisto, won the NI Open. Now normally the podcast would feature plenty of reaction and comment from Galgorm, but unfortunately with COVID restrictions, I was unable to get in the grounds this year. Fingers crossed for a return to normal service in 2021. And finally in the news section, we sign off by wishing Leona Maguire, Stephanie Meadow and Olivia Mahaffey all the best in this week's major championship, the ANA Inspiration. It seems a lifetime ago now, but it's only a couple of years since Russell Knox was winning the Irish Open at Ballyliffin. And that tournament went a long way to highlighting the superb quality of golf in Donegal. Now, Paul McGinley has long been an advocate for the region, and it was no surprise when he revealed recently that Rossapenna will be a venue for a Legends Tour event next year. So I caught up with Rossapenna's John Casey to find out a bit more about the place. John, you're very welcome to the NI Golf Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Delighted to be here. Delighted to be on with you. John, there's some big news this week uh, regarding the Legends Tour, as it's now called, and the commitment from Paul McGinley that he would be bringing an event to Rossapenna next year. So that must be great news for everybody involved up there. Yeah, we're absolutely delighted. Um, we've had a long time, you know, association with Paul. He, uh, he had a house in Dunfanny. He still has a house in Dunfanny, only 20 minutes from us. And as a young guy, he came over and played golf here um, when he was 15, 16 years old and he still played a lot of Gaelic football. So he, uh, he's a long-time association with Rossapena when he came over, the, as I said, he came over with his uncle Brian and played golf here as a, as a young teenager. So it's great. It's great to, uh, to get this tournament and especially to have it hosted by Paul McGinley. Um, now, I suppose for those people who are not aware, this whole thing was meant to be launched earlier in the year, obviously, and there was plans in place, but then COVID came in and, and, and stopped everything in its tracks. But it must be a great feeling of confidence that, that Paul didn't change his mind. He was committed to hosting this event with you. Yeah, well, originally um, this event was supposed to actually take place in August of this year, mm-hmm. but the, the announcement was delayed and obviously then the whole tour and the whole season on the Stacia tour, as it was known, was cancelled. Mm-hmm. So it's great for us to be able to work with Mark Aspland and Simon Harris in the Stacia Tour, now known as the Legends Tour, and work with Paul and uh, have him host the tournament here. And as you say, reaffirm his commitment by ensuring that it's going to be here for the next two years. Brilliant. Uh, John, for those people who've never been up to Rosapena, and the question I'll ask is, why not? Because it's a great spot. But for those people who've never been, 
tell people what what's on site there, what facility is of. So Rasapena is uh, is it's actually one of the oldest golf resorts in the world. It was originally developed in, and opened in May 1893. And we have an old Tom Morris links course. It's had a few changes down through the years, but it remains fairly intact from the original layout. A lot of it from, you know, the early 18, the 1890s, early 1900s. And then in 2003, we built a second course with Pat Ruddy. Pat, who owns and built the European Club in British Bay in County Wicklow. So we have two great golf courses that you know provide contrasting challenges to one another. The old Tom Morris is very much your um, original low-line classic links, fairways run into greens, and then Sandy Hills is more of a modern links with elevated elevated um, greens. You know, and it's just it's more of a challenge, especially on a windy day. But both kind of complement and contrast each other very well for the travelling golfers. So, and as well as that, we have a sixty-two bedroom hotel on site with uh, you know, a range of accommodation from very comfortable classic bedrooms to Bayview suites and penthouse suites that overlook the, uh, the Sheephaven Bay. So there's a range and there's something for everyone at Rossapena. And I know you are always looking to improve, to make changes, to develop. Um, there's been talk over the last few years of he's adding another 18 holes there, the St. Patrick's links. What stage is that development at, John? So, uh, yeah, we, we bought the piece of land for the St. Patrick's Links. It was an or- originally two golf courses designed by Eddie Hackett and Joanne O'Hare. And then it was bought by a developer in 2006 who brought in Jack Nicholas. So, unfortunately, when the financial crash hit, everything, everything stopped. So, in 2012, we bought the piece of ground. It's about a 350-acre parcel of land. And now we've partnered with Tom Doak. And Tom's, you know, uh, designed a really pretty stunning layout up there of 18 holes, taking you around every, you know, inch of the side where all four corners of the parcel of land. And there's some, you know, really stunning views and it's going to be a pretty spectacular, exciting golf course. Has work started on it yet, John? Yeah, yeah, we, we were working, uh, we worked quite a bit last year uh, on the green sites and did a lot of work there just building, developing the greens, and now it's, uh, it's just finishing off now, really. There's a lot of growing, a lot of growth, you know, a lot of, you know, hopefully the fairways, everything's just been seeded recently. A lot of it's been seeded recently, a lot of it's grown in. Okay. So it's just a matter of bringing everything together now and, and just having it finalised. Very good. In terms of the event that Paul's going to hold, which venue will it be played at? That's going to be on the old Tomorrow's links. So okay. it was the old links that Paul would have come over as a, as a teenager and played with his uncle. And he has a great affection and affinity for the back nine of the old course. He actually did a Valentine's Whiskey promotional video here about three, four years ago. And they concentrated a lot on the back nine. You'll notice his Twitter um, his Twitter profile page is actually a picture of him standing overlooking the back nine of the old things. Brilliant, brilliant. John, we're talking a lot about tourism lately and how it's been badly affected by the, the, the pandemic. This sort of news for Rosapana and for wider Donegal golf tourism, what, what sort of thing, what does it mean? Uh, it's just fantastic. I mean, obviously for us, it's great to be able to bring a tournament like this to Rasapena. But a lot of the foundation for this was laid by, you know, the likes of John Farn and Ballyliffin and Donegal County Council, who had great foresight to, to bring the actual Dubai Duty Free Irish Open to Ballyliffin in 2018. It was just a huge achievement for Ballyliffin and for the county of Donegal. And it really put the focus on and you know on the county and on the links golf and and what's here. So I think between that and obviously everything that went so successfully in Royal Port Rush, I think people realised that 
going to those places that are a little bit further out of the way is definitely, you know, you're, you'd be well rewarded, you know, in terms of scenery and, and quality of golf. So it's great for us here in Rasapena just to be able to bring this tournament for, you know, in a multi-year um, deal to, to Rasapena for, you know, for the Stacia Legends Tour. Brilliant stuff. And the date, August date, is still is that nailed in stone? Is that is that nailed down yet? It's or? not just completely finalised yet, but it's looking like August twenty twenty one. It's just they have some other events, so it's just in August twenty one. Brilliant stuff. And but and will there be anything specific done by yourselves on the ground to any of the, any of the courses to host this, or is there going to be any changes made over the winter? Not not nothing planned as of yet. Paul's taken a very keen interest in the course and the course setup with our superintendent. We brought a new superintendent on board in February of last year, and he's just done made magnificent strides in bringing the two golf courses into you know top class condition. So we're very happy that Paul and, and Chris will will look after that end of the of the tournament and decide what way to set it up and what what sort of growing lines, mowing lines, etc. They'll uh, they'll use. Mm-hmm. And Paul, of course, being Paul, has grand plans for uh, raising money for his foundation and hosting events around the town. And so it could really be another big sort of party like he got at the Hinch. That would be the idea. Exactly. Well, Downing's in August. It's a pretty busy place uh, anyway. So to, to add an event or a festival type atmosphere for a golf tournament, uh, you'll certainly have the, the people here anyway. So it's great to, that you'll bring a lot more people here and you'll give everybody an excuse just to have a bit of a party and a celebration and, you know, really show the, the Legends Tour, you know, what it's like in, in remoter parts of Ireland and Donegal. Brilliant, John. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today, John, and all the best for the rest of this year and next year. Hopefully speak soon. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Staying with Ross at Panna, and my next guest will be one of the favourites for the Irish Close Championship at the same venue this October. I got up with Mark Parr while he was sitting at home following a run to the last four of the Amateur Championship and as per regulations he was being forced to quarantine which meant he missed out on playing in the Munster Stroke Play which was won in fine style by Peter O'Keefe. Mark, one of the questions I always want to ask people is are you taking the positives from your performances because you didn't get the W unfortunately? Yeah, hi well, thanks for having me on. And yeah, um you know, at the time, it's always it's always easy to be down yourself and and be frustrated. But um, I suppose you always have to look at the you know the the kind of wider picture. And to get myself into those positions is massive. And you know, and that's that's what every kind of golfer, top level amateur golfer, wants to do: get yourself into the positions to win in tournaments like the Brabs and Trophy, the Amateur Championship. And so I, I can't complain. I got myself into those positions, and unfortunately, I didn't get the, get the job done this time. But um, I suppose I'll just learn from it and I can kind of have some things to look back on and maybe see where I could have done better and try and just improve and get better for the future. Yeah. So you're taking the positives from it then? <laughs> That's it, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Trying my best anyway. <laughs> um, listen, the Brabison was difficult enough because obviously you get into a playoff and you sort of, anything could happen in that where it's different in match play in the, in the amateur because you know that's what you're facing. Um what about the mindset or the switch of mindset? Did you find it easier, you know, dealing with the Brabus and having to go to the match play after playing the rounds of stroke play? Or how did you make that switch? Yeah, yeah I think um, personally, I don't, I don't really, I wouldn't really think of it that much. I, I always, I don't like to kind of, I suppose some people in match play uh, kind of change their whole strategy and try and play a different game. Whereas I just try and, 
you know, just play golf. And obviously, if your opponent's in a bit of trouble, you maybe change your strategy. But um, I suppose I'd normally just try and, I suppose, steadiness and match play always gets the job done. And, and like in a course like Birthdale, God, it was tough. Like the rough was so thick. Like you could easily lose the ball if you missed the fairway. So, you know, the main goal for me that week was just try and keep it as steady as possible and, you know, press at the right time. Um, but just steadiness was was the main kind of game plan, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a disruptive season for everybody, uh, Mark. Just like you're not, like nobody, you're like everybody else. You know, COVID has has wrecked everything. But um, you know, how's that affected your your development this summer and your plans overall? You know, there was no golf played for a long. Yeah, time. I think. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, like I obviously was in America um, uh, in March, and we got called back because the whole virus obviously kicked off, kind of got serious around then. So I would have had a lot of big tournaments coming up um, for college in America. And um, obviously when I came home, it was a frustrating kind of time. It was uh, a lot of uncertainty. Didn't really know when I was going to play again, when we'd have tournaments. And, and obviously when the summer came, there was no real tournaments to play. And obviously it was nice to get back playing golf and practicing again, but it's always frustrating when there's not really that much tournament golf. So, um, I suppose it's just like everyone else it was frustrating at times but I suppose in the present now it's nice to get a few tournaments going again like obviously the two in England and we had Mullingar Trophy and um, I'll play a couple more events maybe uh, in Ireland before um, kind of the season wraps up again so it's been a, it's been tricky but it's nice to have stuff back again at least Mm-hmm. And you were telling me earlier that obviously you've had to come back home. You've done a week's quarantine now already. You have another week to do, yeah. um, and that's probably cost you at least one. You either played the monster stroke play probably down in in Cork. Would you have? I would have. Yeah, we probably would have played that. I just at the minute I just play anything I can because when you go so long without playing tournament golf and as a competitive person, I just want to get back playing competitions. And yeah. uh, I would have just literally played in every single thing that's going on, but. Um, with that, but obviously with the quarantine, I had to give that one a miss. Yeah, what's it going to be like when you go the other side now? When you when you go back to Mark, because you were saying that you're not going back to Mark now until springtime, hopefully, because the fall season's been cancelled. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So pretty much the so the conference I'm in, the ACC, uh, the Atlantic Coastal Conference, um, they've pretty much cancelled all uh, golf competitions for the fall semester, which is you know September up until December. So um, I'm going to stay here do my schoolwork online and all that and uh, hopefully head back in January and hopefully things will be going uh, back to plan then yeah yeah. Uh, Wake Forest is uh, a hell of a, a, a reputation for producing golfers obviously Arnold Palmer was there Lanny Watkins I think Darren Clark did a wee spell there as well what's the he did, yeah he did a, he did a couple of months I think yeah, yeah what was the facility like and what's it like over there how have you settled in yeah, I've actually loved it. I've uh, I've said to so many people, I, I don't think I could have picked a better place to go to. Uh, like the minute I was a little bit, um, I suppose, nervous, excited, like excited nerves, but a little bit nervous going over just, you know, I'm used to traveling, but obviously moving away for college in America is a different step. So I was a bit nervous going over. And, uh, I actually just settled in perfectly. Like the, the people there are amazing, but, you know, our coaches are great and the facilities we have are just honestly the best in the country, I would say. Like we have a, a great practice facility and golf course right on campus, which is literally a one minute walk from my dorm where I was staying. So like to have everything on your doorstep and all the resources you need to improve was just massive. Um, and like the weather as well is so good. So it's, it's just a mix of, 
of everything and it's exactly what I was looking for and I'm delighted like that I, I found the right place. Yeah, who, who's your coach over there or who's, who's, who's the, running the programme? Yeah, so my, our head coach is um, Jerry Haas. His brother, uh, Jay Haas, would obviously yeah. played PGA Tour and Jerry obviously played a bit of professional golf as well. And uh, then our assistant coach is Aaron O'Callaghan from Cork oh, yes. uh, originally. And yeah, yeah. so he, uh, it's nice even to have just, you know, a fellow Irish person there. and He's a great mentor as well. And uh, we, have, we share a lot of uh, home jokes as well. Maybe that's not some of the Americans would get, but uh, like I've, I've loved it as well. Everyone is, is great there. So yeah. um, I really enjoy it. And uh, what are you actually studying when you're, when you're meant to be in class as opposed to on the golf course? Yeah. Yeah, so at Wake Forest, you, for your first two years, you do a, a liberal arts degree. So oh, you're, pretty much, uh, so you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty much not in school, really. <laughs> well, <laughs> when, in fairness, the, the NCAA do, uh, do kind of emphasize how important your grades are. So that you, they set a, a certain standard that you need to meet academically. So if, uh-huh. you're not, uh, if, you're, you know, if you're slacking behind in school, they'll pretty much tell you to stop playing golf. So. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much just you pick pick a bunch of different subjects for the first couple of years and then you, you choose your major and minor and your uh, end of your second year. So I won't worry too much about school for the minute. <laughs> and do you see, you know, obviously you'll progress. What's what's the ambition then, Mark? Are you looking professionally or, you know, is that the ambition? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I feel like since I was, obviously when you're young, yeah, you have like an ambition of turning professional, but you're not really sure until you're, you hit kind of 70 and 18 or, I'm just 20 now and it's, it kind of hits home now that this is what I kind of want to do for my life and um, obviously see how college goes the next couple of years it'll open a lot of doors for me and if I keep progressing hopefully turn professional after, afterwards then. Yeah, yeah. Obviously you come from a big golfing family your mother and father both playing to a very high level and being very successful. Has that been a help or is that a hindrance for you? Because people do know your name. People know who you are and know the family background. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely been a help just to have kind of mum and dad just um, kind of mentoring me. Like I've said so much before, um, they have never kind of pushed me into golf or, or like, you know, I wasn't like I was born and just got a load of golf clubs were thrown at me and, you know, I was told to go play this sport. It was more, I just kind of naturally learned to love the game, which is really important. You, you need to have that self-drive. And um, like my parents have been, they obviously know so much about the game and, they've been great to kind of bring me around to all tournaments across the country really and yeah. and Europe and beyond so um, no it's been a great help and I suppose everyone knows who mum and dad are and it's cool to look back at some of the tournaments they've won and uh, hopefully I can try and win a few more yeah. Because golf wasn't always one of your sports you did play other sports You're, you were a multi-sport mm. growing up played a bit of soccer did they snabble as well? Yeah yeah I actually played for my uh, county team and we, I was part of the winning All-Ireland team in 2017 or 2016 uh, so like I love soccer I played since I was you know six or seven and uh, played a bit of hurling as well being a Kilkenny man you can't not play hurling so I, think. I think uh, playing different sports is massive as well like I suppose golf is a very individual sport so to play a few other team sports is big and expand your range of motion and all that yeah yeah. and your ambitions I presume you, 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 you want to go and, and compete at the very highest level British Amateur again going all step forward US US Amateur Walker Cup these are all things now mm. very clearly on your horizon yeah absolutely yeah like even I suppose after the last couple of weeks it kind of gives, puts me in a good chance to, to make that Walker Cup team next year and I'm just going to keep uh, trying to perform to the best level and hopefully if I keep performing I'll 
the teams to look after themselves but definitely Walker Cup next, next year would be a massive goal and just to try and keep competing in those big events like you know um, you know British Am or even US Am if I get to play next year and just see what happens Four. Is your game getting you down? Is it time you enjoyed better golf? How about a full-day clinic at the GUI National Golf Academy? Less than two hours from Belfast, the Academy is the perfect getaway for you and your friends. With clinics starting at €95, now is the time to experience better golf. Find out more and book online at bettergolf.ie. And finally in this episode... I sat down for a socially distanced Zoom chat with Wildport Rush General Manager John Lawler to talk about his own career, the open legacy, and of course, the impact of the pandemic. John, you're very welcome to the NI Golf Podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's good to speak to you. So, John, you're in post round about a year or so. Um, how have you taken settling in? Yeah, it's been great. I'm, uh, I started towards the end of October 2019, so coming up on a year. Uh, it's been great. It's been a it's been a fast year. There's been lots going on, as I'm sure we'll get into. Um, I suppose, from a personal point of view, it's a beautiful part of the world. My wife and I moved up um, and settled very quickly. The people are very welcoming. The members are very welcoming. It's a great club with good people and, and a nice team of people around me. So, in terms of that side of things, settling really well and, and really enjoying this part of the world. John, uh, getting the, the, the gig at, at Royal Port Royal should probably be considered one of the premier clubs to be involved in. In terms of your career, who you are, where you're from, could you give us a wee bit of background for those people who don't know? Sure, yeah. I started out in Carton House many years ago, back in 2002, uh, about three weeks before it ever opened. It opened in May 2002. I started there in April and I was recruited as a management trainee. So basically, on-the-job training, um, and within a few years, I'd, I'd taken on the role of golf operations manager there. So I was there. I worked through a couple of resort courses like that, Carton House, Mount Wolseley, Moy Valley, and then uh, into the members' club side of things in Rathfarnham Golf Club, which is a city club just outside of Dublin, and then finished up three and a half years at the Island Golf Club before moving to Royal Port Trust. The Island, obviously, another fine links golf course. Uh, known to people uh, across the country. So that's a kind of, I suppose, a whistle-stop tour. I came out with a degree in arts from Trinity College Dublin, uh, which is obviously a natural progression into golf club management. Um, <laughs> I haven't used my uh, my history, my politics, French or German a lot, but uh, they said it was an education for life. So, um, yeah, I'll go with that. But no, it's been great. And it, it's must, I must say, it's not a career I think people maybe a little bit more now, but certainly back then, people weren't aware of the workings behind the scenes of a golf club and, and the management side of things. Uh, and in the last, I suppose, 10, 15 years, there's been a huge change in terms of how clubs are managed, more emphasis on professional managers, less kind of committee involvement and, and more the day-to-day is on the, the management side. So I love it. I, I really enjoy it. Um, the interaction with people, whether that's the team around me or members on a daily basis or visitors coming over, it's just a lovely environment to work in. Um, I, I must say, I really enjoy it. And did you have a background in golf? Why, why golf management? What was it that attracted you to it? I have listened, I've played socially. Um, my dad was a secretary manager in a golf club in Dublin, but more the accountant side of things than a golfer. Uh, but I've always played lots of sports. Um, and as I said, I, I came out with an arts degree and you kind of, you know, you knock on lots of doors and, and, and see what avenue suits you. So I, when I, I suppose when I went into it originally, I wasn't aware of what was involved in golf club management. 
But the more I kind of from day one, the more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it. And, and I followed the education pathway with the Club Managers Association of Europe as well. Uh, I'm a qualified, uh, a certified club manager, uh, CCM. And even part of that learning through that process as well has been great. Uh, and learning about club management and, and interacting with the other club managers um, across the island and further afield and, and shared challenges and things. So um, it's not something I had um, as a goal uh, when I went into university uh, and not necessarily when I was finishing university, but I'm incredibly grateful that the opportunity arose and incredibly grateful to be working at such a fantastic club as Royal Port Rush now. I think one of the key things that I want to speak to today is about, I suppose, obviously, we can't avoid COVID, but we would have been looking at Royal Port Rush being able to build on the Open Championship and, you know, market itself, though it didn't need much marketing, let's be honest, but getting into that higher echelons, world golf, a must-play destination, uh, an open venue, and everything that that brings with, and then grinding halt to ideas and plans because of, of COVID. How has it affected the club? What has the club tried to do to get around that? And, you know, what's the future going to be? Five years' time, do you think? So I suppose like every other club uh, in Northern Ireland, when the call came, we, we locked our gates um, like everybody else. Um, it, it was a shuddering halt. It was an extraordinary event in the sense that Phones had started to ring kind of early March from concerned visitors from overseas, um, just asking questions about more what's likely to happen. And I think at that stage, everybody was quite uncertain about what the future would hold. Uh, but when the Prime Minister announced that effectively uh, lots of businesses, ourselves included, would have to close the gates, um, it, it was a huge shock. Um, I think it's probably the first time in the club's history. I know that the, the president at one of our at our Zoom AGM noted that this was the first time in the history of the club, uh, including during two world wars and civil wars, that the club hadn't been able to meet in person. So it has presented a whole new uh, reality for us. I suppose from the moment the gates closed, it became about uh, how we would come out of it. It was about not just sitting there and, and twiddling our thumbs and, and hoping that at some point we'd reopen and what we would do. A significant amount of planning went into reopening. The Honorary Secretary and, and myself spent a lot of time like this on Zoom calls, um, working through what we, what we envisaged would be scenarios. Uh, we, we kind of planned our way out of it. And, and as it turned out, our timings weren't hugely dissimilar to what uh, eventually became the government's roadmap for it. So uh, a lot of time and effort went into that. And I suppose the summer we had intended, which was um, a busy summer for our members getting access to the golf course after a busy year last year, and obviously a huge amount of, of visitors coming to experience the Open Championship venue and recreate some of the shots they would have seen on telly. Uh, none of that happened. Um, so it's been very strange. Uh, we've missed having visitors. We've missed having, you know, initially members bringing their guests down to enjoy the facilities. Uh, but really the focus has been very much on um, a safe environment for members to come and play and for our staff to work in. Uh, and that has been the cornerstone of what we've done. We understand that this year is, is you know, we, we, we realized very quickly this wasn't going to be the year we had expected. So the priority changed, we pivoted and, and we looked at, well, this presents us with an opportunity to explore some new ways of, of running small elements of the club. Um, you know, the situation that we've been presented with has presented us with opportunities uh, in terms of how we run some elements of our food and beverage, for example, and things like that. So it's been, um, 
it's been strange, but we've also tried to keep a sense of perspective, I suppose. We're a golf club. Um, there have been enormous amounts of people, not just in Northern Ireland, but further afield, hugely affected by this in terms of having lost loved ones, people being sick, people on the front line dealing with a crisis situation. And we recognize our position in that as a leisure facility, a members club that, you know, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves and lose sight of, of the key, you know, the key challenges that the world has faced with this, with this event. Um, going forward then, next five years or so, you know, how, how is this going to hit uh, Royal Port Rush's, you know, rely so much on tourism interest? And obviously flights are difficult. People aren't traveling as much. Are we going to see, you know, you're looking at things now and planning for the next few years ahead. What's your planning saying? Like, are you looking for a, a, a bounce back in two years' time, in three years' time? Yeah, it's, there's still a huge amount of uncertainty. Um, I think the tourism side of things are quite confident that things will return to a sense of normality quickly. We're, I suppose from a, from a planning point of view, we're being cautious um, and, and I think you, you've said it, Paul, it's, it's not next year and, and we all return to normal. This, this is an event that will have an impact for quite a number of years. Simple things like a travel infrastructure, um, a large number of, of visitors from overseas who come to play here or play some of the other fine golf courses. Um, they need flights, they need accommodation, they need buses, they need drivers, they need all of these things that, can, that ha- were provided relatively easily or, or very smoothly. There's a whole amount, there's a huge, huge amount of layers now that will be involved in that. If you think of simple things like the number of people permitted on a bus um, and 16 guys can't all pile onto a bus now that holds 16 people, there would have to be a bigger version of that. So I, as I said, I'm, we're quite cautious. Um, this year has had a significant impact on the club. There's, there's no point in disputing that. And, and it would be the same, I think, with most clubs. Um, we're heavily booked for next year in terms of people who have postponed their bookings into 2021. We really hope we can welcome them. We really hope that we, uh, that the, um, as I said, the infrastructure is there to bring them to us and we'll provide a, a really a nice welcome and a safe environment for them. But I think we all need to see what the next number of months holds um, in terms of where the numbers go, um, where governments go with, with measures, especially going into the winter. Um, people have colds in the winter and, and how we will distinguish a cold from a potential threat um, that's a really anxious one, I think, probably for all businesses and certainly at higher levels in government. So um, we're, we're working through a planning process at the moment that will look at the next 10 years at the club anyway. It's a strategic planning process. And as part of that, we'll, we'll look at how we, we see the club going um, following on from this event. Um, in terms of hosting events then, uh, and where Royal Port Rush has positioned itself, amateur championship, open championship, Obviously, we're still fingers crossed to get the Open Championship back again. Uh, maybe sooner or later, everybody would love that. Um, is Royal Portrush in in the consideration for anything else? What what you know? What's the members feeling on things now? Having hosted an Open Championship, could we see the Walker Cup, for example? Could we see the Women's Amateur Championship and the Women's Open Championship? Uh, there's nothing specific has been discussed. I suppose a couple of things, Paul. That, that the first thing is obviously the euphoria of hosting the Open Championship in 2019. I could still see the remnants of that in October, towards the end of October when I started, um, and people were still talking about that 
I, I, we had a, a dinner in November, I remember, for people, volunteers who had helped out at the club. And again, that was a great chance for people to remember great stories and funny stories from the event where they've been involved as marshals or whatever. And I suppose it never got a chance to go any further in terms of thinking about anything else because March happened and, and, uh, and the focus had to go elsewhere. I suppose what I would say is obviously as a, as a championship course, and I think a course that uh, a lot of people think is, is a really great test of golf for all level of golfers, um, it's inevitable that we would like to be considered for you know, uh, events of the stature you've mentioned. But at the moment, there's nothing arranged. There's no plans. The focus at the moment is, is both very short term and more medium to long, um, but with a real focus around coming out of this event um, and returning back to a sense of normality. But it was a fabulous, fabulous, I missed it. Uh, I, was, I was appointed the week of the Open. I came up on, on the Saturday of it to meet some, um, some of the council members and, and some of the conveners and things. And I got to look around and it was brilliant. I got to see around the players' locker room and, and everywhere. It was, it teetered on being overwhelming at times, but I, I, uh, I just about kept it together. So I missed the whole event, but I, I know certainly from even just talking to members and just feeling the energy around the club, there was a real sense of pride uh, and a real carnival feel about the whole hosting of us. You know, the community were engaged, the, the immediate and, and wider community were engaged. So uh, the club had a really, really good time hosting it. And I think the members really enjoyed being part of such a special event. I suppose one of the things that people obviously don't factor into the thing is that, that you know, Robert Rush is, in a sense, and will always remain a members club. And the members put up an awful lot of disruption over the last five or six years in the build-up to the event. New course, new developments, tractors, builders, diggers in round the place. Then they're not allowed to play their own course for a while. So in many respects, many of the members have enjoyed this little lull. It's just them getting to play their golf course again. Yeah, as I said earlier, it's presented us with an opportunity to, to, to explore some new things. And, and as you said, Paul, the, this year has provided effectively a carte blanche for our members to go and, and play the golf course. Uh, we're using booking systems. They're all able to see when availability is there. The number of visitors is very small. Um, we've run a few 148 celebration days um, just to try and pick up on the legacy of the Open uh, in 2019 and to give people a chance from all over the island, uh, give them an opportunity to come and play the, um, the Dunluce Links. But members, I think, have really enjoyed, um, you know, as I said, getting a chance to go out and play a bit more. The last number of years, there was quite a lot of disruption, not just with the hosting of the event, but there was changes made to the golf course and um, even build up to the open and the, and the dates itself, infrastructure going up. And as exciting as all that is, it was a disruption of sorts to members, not that they were complaining. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was absolutely worth it. But um, this has been a nice opportunity, a nice summer. And I don't think it's just us. I think probably most courses, I hear numbers and I read articles about numbers of, of applicants for membership going through the roof in various uh, clubs and I know certainly um, members and the number of rounds going around each golf course are, are have shot up. So I think it, it, slightly perversely, it could be a good year to reconnect members with what a with what a golf club a members golf club is. Um, it's not just somewhere to play golf. It's it's something to belong to. It's something to feel a sense of um, you know all kind of pushing in the same direction. This is an enormous challenge for a club like ours. It must be an enormous challenge for clubs all over the country of all sizes. And it's a chance for members to reconnect. I think with what it means to be a member of a golf club, which is. You know, this is our club. We face this challenge together and we'll come out the far side together. So um, a really strange event, uh, a tragic event in many ways. 
Um, but certainly the members, I think, not just in our club, but across the island are putting their hands up and doing their bit to help their clubs come through it. And, and, and finally, John, are you getting to play any golf yourself? Um, um, have you played the course much? And um, what do you make of the what? What's your what's your best? What's your worst? Uh, there is no best. Um, there's only the worst. Um, I haven't played a lot. I'll be honest. I've managed to get out for a few nine holes um, after work and a few nights. We had some lovely weather, probably around the island as well. We had some lovely weather, kind of um, May into June. So I've had little bits and pieces. Uh, there's the there's the makings of some sort of a game in there, but uh, it needs a lot of refinement. Um, but it's just a pleasure to get out and play both courses, the Valley and, and the Dunluce. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of land. Um, and after a busy day in the office, you know, out there, um, even if the ball has gone sideways, uh, it's still a lovely place to be. Um, and as I said, even if the ball isn't going where you want, it's just a lovely part of the world to be in. And it's just two beautiful golf courses. So I'm very, I'm very, very fortunate. And I never lose sight of that. John, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck. Maybe you'll get playing a wee bit more now as the winter comes in. Thanks so much, Paul. It's really good to talk to you.